0: Thank you, Maureen. Wasn't that good singing this morning? Man, that last song that we did, living, he loved me, dying, he saved me. Risen, he's coming back. It's just wonderful what he's doing. That's the message that we're going to look at today. So look at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, we're going to start reading in verse 12, but remember the background. Peter and John were going into the temple as they did every day. And on their way in, a man was begging. He was lame from his his mother's womb, the Bible says. And we find out that his feet and ankles were deformed. There was something wrong. He couldn't walk. And Peter heals him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The people are amazed. And, of course, they would be because in chapter 4 and verse 22, we see that he had been lame for 40 years. And everybody knew it. This man had been lame for 40 years, and now he's running and jumping and excited and praising God because he had been healed. So let's look at verse 12, Acts chapter 3 and verse 12. The Bible says, And Peter saw it, and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, don't miss that, ye men of Israel, Why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us? as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. But those things... Which God before hath showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel to those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you, and turning away every one of you from his iniquities." Lord, help us as we study this message of Peter, help us understand what, what were you, by your apostle, communicating to Israel, and what should we learn from it today? Help us, in, in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. What an amazing message. Isn't Peter bold? And I like the way he begins it in verse 12, and Peter saw it. He answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? This is no big deal. Have you not heard what's been going on ever since Jesus showed up on the scene? We've been doing this all over Israel. We've preached this all over Israel. Why are you marveling at this now? And why do you think it has anything to do with me, Peter, and with John? This is not our power. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified. We have done this great work. What are we supposed to do? When we go out into the world, what are we supposed to preach? The name of Jesus Christ. The message is the same. The audience is different. We're not over in Israel preaching to the men of Israel, but the message is still the same. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's our Savior. Amen? That is our message. And look at what it says in verse 13. The God of Abraham and of Isaac, the God of our fathers. I'm sorry. Let me read that again. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus. Hath glorified his son Jesus. Now, there's a couple of things I don't want you to miss. The preaching of the apostles is constantly the crucifixion of Christ and Israel's responsibility for it. All right? Oh, by the way, I meant to say this. This message may seem familiar because this is the same message he preached at Pentecost. So he's preaching that same sermon again. So do you know what my sermon will be? Very much the same as what we looked at in Acts chapter 2. And why would I do that? Because apparently God wants us to think about it some more. Because here it is again. But as usual, when God repeats something in the Bible, and we don't want to miss this principle, repetition in the Bible is God's volume control. God emphasizes what he wants us to know by repeating it. But not only is repetition God's volume control, but when God repeats a message, he adds another little bit in it. So we get the the rehearsal, the recapitulation, the, the restatement of truth, but then also some new information. And one of the things, there are two things, I said one, there are two things that the apostles constantly affirm. The resurrection of Jesus and his ascension. Remember all the way back when we talked about the ascension of Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 1. How significant that is in the preaching of the apostles all through the book. And we see that in verse 13 where it says the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. The God of our fathers hath glorified his son. Hath glorified his son. That glorification, that is his ascension. So let's trace that through the scriptures. Keep your place here in Acts 3. And let's go to John chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible with you, look under the chair in front of you. There should be a Bible there. John chapter 7. Look at verse 37. John 7 and verse 37. In the last day... That great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. I want to see that. I wonder if when we're in heaven, God will let us see some of these things that had happened. Imagine Jesus Christ standing up in the temple and yelling. Can you imagine the voice that Jesus Christ has? He cried, come unto me. Look at the verse. Jesus stood and cried, verse 37, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Come unto me. And what is our message? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Well, that's weird. How many of you really would not want rivers of water flowing out of your belly? And so there's a parenthesis that explains it. But this, he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So what had to happen before the Holy Ghost was sent? Jesus had to be glorified. How was Jesus glorified? In his ascension, when he sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high. Look at John chapter 17. Jesus Christ getting ready to go to heaven. Praying to his Father. I know I've mentioned to this probably I've mentioned this to you probably hundreds of times. You should really study this prayer, this Acts chapter 17. Let's look at verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Remember, Jesus Christ constantly, he was hiding from people. He'd do a miracle. Don't tell anyone why. Because my hour is not yet come. But now his hour has come. The hour has come. Oh, look at what it says. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. With the glory which I had with thee before the world was. What was the work that he did? I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. What do we do? We manifest the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because God has glorified him. How did God glorify him? By placing him at his right hand. Look also at Revelation chapter 5 and verse 12. Revelation 5 and verse 12. Let's look at verse 11 for the context. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11. John the Apostle. He writes, and I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. What would that sound like? Better than any concert you'll ever go to. No PA system necessary. Read the verse again. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Thousands. When I was um, preaching in the Philippines in February, and in our evening sessions, there were about 10,000 people in that room. You should have heard the singing. And I got to tell you, those Filipinos can sing. And it it was unreal. This is 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. And what are they singing? Verse 12 saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and what? Glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, And all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Can you imagine that song? And don't miss it. Don't miss this. If you're here today and you are not born again, you've not trusted Christ, you've not believed in his name, you are going to hell. You might not want to exalt him and worship him today, but do you know what you're going to do in hell? You're going to worship Jesus Christ. Is that what the passage just said? In the earth, and those are in the grave and under the earth. Where is hell right now? The center of the earth. What the Bible teaches. People are going to be worshiping Jesus Christ. You can do it in blessing or you can do it in agony. You can do it in forgiveness or you can do it in judgment but you're going to worship Him. We'll see that that's the message of Acts chapter 3. We're going to see that exact same message here in a minute. Go with me to Luke chapter 24. After the resurrection of Christ, Luke chapter 24. Jesus Christ on the Emmaus Road, they're telling him what happened. Verse 24. And certain of them, isn't that funny? Why are you so sad? Because the things are going on in Jerusalem. Jesus says, What things? Have you not heard? So when we get, don't miss this. When we go back to Acts chapter 3 and we see what Peter is preaching, they all knew about it. They all knew about it. Look at what it says in verse 24. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher, that's where Jesus had been buried, and found it even so as the women had said, but they but him they saw not. Then said he unto them, Jesus speaking, "O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things?" And to enter into his glory. So this, go back to Acts chapter 3 with me. Verse 13, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus. So it was prophesied that he would do it. And whenever God prophesies something, that's God writing history before it happens. If God says something is going to happen, you might as well write it down as if it already has. That's pretty cool. And so this glorification is the ascension of Jesus Christ. And you'll see that message all through the book of Acts. Don't miss it. Not only the death, burial, and resurrection, but the ascension of Jesus Christ is so important. That's why the assumption of Mary is such a heresy. The assumption of Mary is a heresy because only Jesus Christ ascended the way he did. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Elijah was taken to heaven in a chariot of fire. Those people have been taken to heaven. In the book of Revelation chapter 11, the two witnesses are going to be taken from them in their sight. That's different than Jesus. Jesus Christ ascended a difference. There's a difference, and it's a part of his glorification. Never miss that. If you're here today and you come from a Roman Catholic background, please don't think that I'm attacking Roman Catholicism. But that doctrine, which is a new doctrine, is not a historic doctrine. I believe it's from the, it wasn't, that doctrine was not taught, the Assumption of Mary, until the 1800s. That's, that's, not a, that's not a historic Roman Catholic doctrine. But it is a diminishing of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he did. Only Jesus Christ can save us. Only Jesus Christ could die for our sins and pay for him. Only Jesus Christ could rise from the dead. Only Jesus Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father. And only Jesus Christ will sit there. How do we know that? Go to the book of Hebrews. Look at verse 4. You know what? Let's just start in verse 1. It's too good. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world's. Talking about Jesus, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Listen to how significant this is. Remember, Mormonism teaches that Jesus and Satan are brothers, that they're angels. Verse 4, being made so much better than the angels, his physical body, Jesus, the Son of God, was not made, but his body was made. Hebrews 10, 5, a body hast thou prepared for me, being made so much better than the angels, as he he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name. Don't miss that. The name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. The apostles preach the name of Jesus 33 times in the book of Acts. Don't miss that. He's obtained a more excellent name than they, than the angels. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. So when you have a Bible that removes the only begotten son, over and over and over again, do you see how significant that is? For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is a scepter of thy kingdom. So it's so important that we understand what this ascension is It's the acknowledgement of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That work is done. That sacrifice has been accepted. Look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. The sacrifice has been accepted. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children... These things write unto you that ye sin not. Isn't that a good message? Here's my sermon to you. Don't sin. Amen? But when you do, you know, there are churches and and good people in these churches, good pastors who love the Lord, they're saved. But they teach that you can reach A state of sinlessness called absolute sanctification. Anybody there yet? How you doing? Can you imagine how discouraging it is to be taught over and over again that you can reach this state? And then when you look in the mirror, you say, not today. Not yet. Look at the verse again. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an, adge- an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Now, look at those next two words. Don't miss this definite article. The righteous. He's the only one. We're, we're going to see that same thing in Acts 3. Yes, we're going back there. Don't worry. And I see that same thing. The righteous. And what does he do? Verse 2. And he is The propitiation for our sins. There's only one. He's the propitiation. I'll explain that word in a minute. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So when Jesus Christ sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, that's the evidence that he is the propitiation. What is the propitiation? The satisfactory sacrifice, the satisfactory offering. And if you haven't written this next to this verse before, write it now. Okay, get your pen out and write this down. When Jesus Christ was our propitiation, then all of us were, write this down, rendered savable. Rendered savable. You might be here today and you say, you don't understand what I've done. Jesus is the propitiation. And not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Are you a part of the whole world? Or maybe are you an alien? Did something you get dropped down from outer space or something. If you're of this world, then he paid for your sin. He is your propitiation. That's my message. He's your propitiation propitiation. He's your satisfactory payment. You have been rendered savable. It doesn't mean you are saved. It means you can be saved if you'll receive that gift. You are not worthy. I'm not worthy. He is worthy. He is the propitiation. He paid my sin. Hallelujah. How do I know? Because he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. All of that, go back to Acts 3, verse 13. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. So look at the indictment. So he's been glorified. His work is done. And Peter's about to preach him to them. But notice his indictment. Don't miss this. All right? So if you look at verse 13, middle of the verse, whom ye delivered up. And you could keep the ye going with this. Whom ye delivered up, and ye denied him. Verse 14. But ye denied the Holy One, and ye denied the just, and ye desired a murderer to be granted unto you. Look, It even says it at the end of verse 13. Whom ye delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate. What was Pilate going to do? When he was determined to let him go. So even today, I, I was reading this morning a commentary by a guy named Arno Gablein. Gablein was a Jewish man who became, he, he got saved and he became evangelist, an evangelist to the Jewish people. And he wrote his commentary somewhere around 1920. And he's talking about the Jewish commentators and all of the excuses they make about the crucifixion of Christ. To say it wasn't really us. Peter's message pretty much, pretty much takes care of that, doesn't it? Pilate was going to let him go. Yes, the Roman Empire is responsible. The Bible calls the Roman Empire Satan. The Roman Empire is responsible for the crucifixion of Christ, but so were the Jews because Pilate was going to let him go. And the indictment is, ye denied him, ye delivered him up, ye denied the Holy One, ye desired a murderer. Now look at verse 15. And killed the prince of life. And killed the prince of life. You know what's so fun about that? The Bible says that that Jesus Christ is the author of life. They killed the author of life. How do you think that's going to go? The grave couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. We just sang that this morning. Why? Because he is the prince of life. But they killed... Listen to this indictment against them. Why are you marveling at this miracle? We've done it in the name of Jesus. And then, look at what it says. I want us to look at the titles that Peter gives Jesus. So, middle of verse 13 again. And hath glorified his son, Jesus. His son Jesus. I want you to see something, or I'll read something to you. If you have a modern translation of the Bible, that verse, or even a New King James, in verse 13, hath glorified his son Jesus, that word son is changed to servant. I mentioned this the other day. And so I did some of my own work. I wanted to see is this a textual issue? Does the modern Greek text say something different than the, the Greek text that the King James that, that agrees with the King James Bible? Or is it a translation issue? There's a big difference. Because if it's the same word and it's translated, it's the same Greek word. Everybody listening? It's the same if it's the same. How many of you just don't care about this? I'm looking out and I'm seeing some of this. If it's the same word in the Greek and it's translated differently, that's a translation issue. And then you've got to wonder, what are these translators thinking? So I looked up the Greek word and I I went and looked in my Greek sources. And do they have any explanation for it? And I, I couldn't see any good argument for changing it to servant. And so I emailed or I texted Lawrence Vance. And our friend Lawrence Vance, he he wrote a, a Greek book that they use at Yale Divinity School. Okay, so this he knows. And so this is what he wrote back. Jim, this is purely a translation issue. Acts 3.13 and 3.26 contain the Greek word pace. The same Greek word is also found in Acts 4.25, 4.27, and 4.30. In Acts 3.13 and 3.26, it is translated son. In Acts 4.27 and 4.30, it is translated child. In Acts 4.25, the word is translated servant because it is a reference to David. The word is rarely translated servant. The only other time the word pace is a reference to Jesus is Luke 2.43, when he was a child. It is there translated child. No modern Bible translates Luke 2.43 as servant that I am aware of. To change son to servant in Acts 3.13 and 3.26 is to downgrade Christ. Hope this helps, Lawrence. I do my work, you know, on the Bible translation stuff, and somebody asked me, how is your work different from the other, from the work other people are doing? I said, well, I have something they don't have. And I said, what? I have a Lawrence Vance. How many of you know that calling Jesus a son and calling him a servant, it's a different message? So on these titles of Christ, never miss it. Never miss it. I mentioned in Sunday school that the the full signature, what, what theologians call the full signature of Jesus, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Or whosoever shall call upon the name of the... The Lord shall be saved. We're going to see that 33 times in the book of Acts, the apostles preach the name of the Lord Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus Christ. But that full mention, that full signature is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, the Lord, that's his deity. Jesus, he's the Savior. Christ, he's the Jewish Messiah. That's who he is, amen? Amen. It's diminished in the modern translations over 150 times. They remove a portion of that. And it weakens the message of the deity of Christ in the Bible. So let's look at the titles. There are more than 200 different titles of Christ in the Bible. And let's look at some of them that Peter references. So look at verse 13. Middle of the verse. Hath glorified his son, Jesus. His son, Jesus. The only begotten. Then look at what it says in verse 14. But you denied the Holy One. Now, we're not going to take the time to do it today. We're going to do it in a future service, Lord willing. But if we go to the Old Testament and you see the Holy One, the Holy One of Israel, who is the Holy One of Israel? Jehovah God. What does Peter stand up and say? You killed Jehovah God. You say you worship God. You killed the holy one, not a holy one, the only holy one. And never miss this. That word holy, it means completely other. There's not another one like it. The unique, the only, the one holy one. You and I, the Bible says, be ye holy as he is holy. Or be ye holy as I am holy, God says. The only way that we can be holy is to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, imitate God. Amen? Why? Because I have no holiness in me other than the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in me. That's the only holiness that I have. And God has made us holy. Holy. Think about that. That's why we're supposed to be a peculiar people. That's why we are supposed to be other, different in the world. All right? So now, let's look at some of these other names. The Holy One and The Just. We saw The Righteous in 1 John. Same thing as The, He's the only one. He's the only one. And desired a Murderer. Verse 15, and killed the prince of life. Isn't that a great name? The prince of life. What does that mean? He's, he's the king. He's over all that is living. That's who Jesus Christ is. And then look at what it says in verse 18. End of the verse, that Christ should suffer. Then look at verse 20, and he shall send Jesus Christ. Verse 22 is interesting. For Moses truly said... So so interesting because of the way that the preaching is done. The scriptures they preached from, that apostles preached from, is the Old Testament. Moses is mentioned 19 times in the book of Acts. And what did Moses talk about? For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up. Was he a prophet? Yea, and much more than a prophet. Right, He is the prophet. Look at verse 23. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Why? Because there's judgment coming. Verse 26. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son, Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from his iniquities. So what is the message? You killed Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's the Holy One. He's the just. He's the Prince of Life. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Christ. And he's that prophet that you claim to have been looking for for a thousand years. Moses told you he was coming. Moses said, if you'll believe him, you'll be saved. If you don't believe him, then you are going to be condemned. And you didn't believe him. That's the message that Peter is preaching. You want to see some grace, though? Look at the grace in verse 17. And now, brethren, I want or I know. We're in Acts chapter 3 and verse 17. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. This is where expository preaching is so helpful. It helps me because I learn stuff about the text that I wouldn't have just by reading it. But by, but by really thinking about it and studying it and, and reading what other people say about it, these things are brought out. But we could just read through that very quickly. They're ignorance, you did this. Through ignorance, you did this. Now, everybody likes to hear that, right? I know why you did it. You're ignorant. How many of you did something because you didn't know any better? Right? Here's the grace of God. This passage over and over says, all the holy prophets talked about this. All the prophets talked about the death of Christ. All the prophets talked about that. It's it's repeated over and over again. And then he says, and this was preached to you. Remember, Jesus Christ sent the apostles out and they went to all the villages roundabout and preached about the Messiah and came back and reported how wonderful it was and how they had power over demons and all the people were hearing it. Remember that? And how all of Jerusalem went out to hear John the Baptist and be baptized by him. They had all heard it. They had all heard it. And yet, they said, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. And what did Jesus on the cross say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I'm sorry I keep saying it, but many modern translations remove that from the Bible. How many of you are glad that Jesus said that on the cross? Father, forgive them; for they know not what they do. What were they doing? They were denying the Holy One. they were killing the prince of life. they didn't know that so what is what is Jesus saying? Father, forgive them, they know not what they do, and what is the Holy Spirit saying through Peter? That through ignorance they did it. And then in Acts chapter 17, and the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now calls every man everywhere to repent. What by saying it's ignorance, what is he doing? In the Jewish law, first degree murder, there's no forgiveness for it. None but for manslaughter there is. You didn't mean to kill them. That's the message. The message of grace says, I could hold every one of you accountable for this and for there to be no forgiveness, but I am the God of grace and mercy, and I'm going to say you did it ignorantly. You didn't know what you were doing. Repent. And can you imagine... James Knox, I listened to his teaching on this chapter, and he pointed out the manslaughter thing. But he also mentioned this. So here's the crowd. And all all these people are in Jerusalem, and Jesus Christ is there, and they hear someone say, crucify him. Then more people say, crucify him. And they begin saying, crucify him. Well, here, you, you, you can have one, you can have one, given to you on on this day. This is is in your law. Give us us Barabbas. Give us the murderer. That's what Peter is talking about. But can you imagine the conversations that happened after that? They come home and a lady says to her husband over dinner, I feel bad about joining in to say crucify Jesus. He was a good man. When he came through the village, he healed my sister. He he was a good man. Why did I do that? You know how easy it is to get wrapped up in a mob mentality? I want you to think about something. The, The people at the Capitol on January 6th, all the people that went there to support Donald Trump and to protest all of the irregularities in the election, they weren't there to defile the Capitol. Most of them. But there were some that did. And there were a lot of people that ended up going into the Capitol. They had no intention of doing that. But it was open. It was going in. In some cases, the police were waving them in. How many of you have seen that? First of all, you've been lied to a lot about January 6th. Just so you know, these people are stinking liars, liars, pox on all their houses. I'm glad we have a God of judgment. Maybe someday they'll confess. And yet, there were some real buffoons. You got no, you've got no business breaking the windows of the Capitol. That's wrong. So what happened? A lot of people got caught up in the mob. And we know, just like at the crucifixion of Christ, there were people inciting them to do it. The enemy inciting them to do it. The FBI had people in the crowd inciting them to do it. Just so you know, and YouTube, please put this out in Facebook. The FBI is evil. They're not your friends. It's not like Sean Hannity says, oh, you know, 99% are good. Oh, really? That organization is against Christians and Christianity. They're against you. It needs to be shut down. And yet, you had a group of people that turned into a mob. And people followed the crowd and broke the law. Now, our Injustice Department, our Injustice Department is putting sentences on people for trespassing that is more than for raping people. Ridiculous injustice. And yet, you shouldn't have been in there. What happened? A mob. Young people, when you follow the crowd, it will always lead you in a bad place. But the grace and mercy of God, you've heard the preaching. You know who Jesus Christ is. You know the truth. Repent. That's the message. Who are we talking about? The Holy One, the Just, the Son of God, the Prince of Life. The Lord Jesus Christ. That's who we preach. Can I show you something amazing and we'll be done? Verse 26. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. The Bible says to the Jew first. Amen? Amen. God came to the Jews first. Why? Because they're God's chosen people and they rejected him. That's the end of the message. There's no invitation. There's no opportunity to come and talk to somebody. Why? Chapter 4 and verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. You can't be talking about the resurrection of the dead, especially when somebody rose from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. And verse 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. 5,000 men heard this message. So 10, 15,000 people could have come to Christ that day. How cool is that? Don't miss this. Don't miss it without an invitation. See, our job is to give the message out. Now, it's wonderful when we have the opportunity to draw that net and to close the deal. But our job is to preach the name of Jesus. And even though they they weren't allowed to finish the message, God used it in the hearts and lives of those people. Man, you give the gospel. Even if you don't have time to close the deal, give the gospel. Who knows what God is going to do with it? Amen? Let's all stand together. Lord, thank you for this text. I know I have done a poor job of explaining it all. There's so much here, but thank you for giving this to us. Thank you for the men who have taught me, whether it's Arno Gabeline or Brother Knox or these other commentators, and thank you for giving us your word.